0: This is WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you
1: And welcome to another edition of the Prologue on America's Web Radio, a weekly program bringing you introductions to writers and books you may not be familiar with. My name is Doug Dahlgren. I'm going to be your host for this hour, and I thank you very much for listening. Now, we hope to entertain and inform you during this hour, and there are just so many great writers and terrific stories out there. Some of them get lost in the sheer massive volume of books being produced these days. Now, my job, I'm the lucky guy that gets to cut through all that. I get to meet these writers and bring them to you, and it's folks that you really need to know about. Now, I'm an author myself. I have eight fiction novels that are available. They're action thrillers. Uh, they kind of make you think, so they're not just all action, they're thoughtful stories that hopefully you'll enjoy along with the others who've already been there. Uh, I hope you'll look me up, they're available through Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, and of course you can go to my site, which is www.dougdahlgren.com, and get all the information and that'll direct you over to Amazon. Now we call this program The Prologue. Because that's what it is. It's an introduction. And while those that we introduce here are mainly writers, we love to bring you interesting people with a simple good story to tell from other fields and other endeavors as well. Now, have you got that pencil and paper handy? Because you're going to need it. During the course of the program, we're going to be bringing you information like the writer's website and things like that, information that you're going to want to make note of. And here's a good example. If you or someone you know has that book or that interesting story that needs to be told, I want you to reach out and let me know about it. There's two ways to do that. Two email addresses. You ready? There's Doug at AmericasWebRadio.com or you can use Doug at DougDahlgren.com. Send me a little short message about yourself or whoever you want us to have on the program and we'd be glad to talk to you and schedule you for a future appearance. Now, Let's get to business. Today we bring you an author and a very special one at that. Besides her writing, she is a professor, a former TV personality, a trainer for the U.S. State Department, partner in a new business that we'll ask about later, and she's also won several awards for her writing. The book she brings, Becoming Jessie Bell, was chosen as Book of the Day by the prestigious website Indie Book of the Day in December of 2014. Becoming Jessie Bell is one of eight books to the writer's credit with another novel on the way. That will make a total of five in the fiction category and another four in nonfiction. Those relate to women's issues and interests and things that a lot of people are already enjoying. Now, born in a small town, she was raised and educated in a schoolhouse that handled kindergarten through the 12th grade all in one building. Her further education, though in some steps, includes a doctorate in education. That title of doctor is well-earned, and yet she prefers to be simply called Linda. I'm delighted to have her on the program this hour. She brings her fictional tale of a young, glamorous TV reporter who was sent on a journey to find herself. The title is Becoming Jessie Bell, and this is your prologue. There was something in his tone, or maybe it was just him in total, that ruffled her feathers. Whatever the cause, her nationally televised interview with the man turned adversarial and rude. Her boss didn't fire her. Jesse probably wouldn't have understood or accepted that anyway. Instead, he ordered her on a new assignment, one that traced her roots and her heritage through Africa, Scandinavia, Europe, and the early years of this country. A full crew was sent with her, producer, cameraman, the works, and the journey was followed by viewers back home as a reporter traced her own heritage. She learned she was becoming Jessie Bell. The author, Linda Hughes, is with us. Come on, Doctor. I had to use that at least once. How are you doing?
2: <laughs> I'm doing great, Doug. Thank you so much. You're terrific. I, I need you to write my blurbs for my books for me. That was
1: great. Oh, wonderful introduction. That would be an honor. I'd love to do that. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you here, and I want to say right away, you have the Doctor of Education degree, and that's not just a plaque on your wall. Uh, You put that thing to good use. Where and what is it that you teach?
2: I teach at Georgia Gwinnett College in Lawrenceville, Georgia, and I teach teacher education. I teach people who are going to be teachers. So, in a way, I feel like I've got an easier job than many because people who want to be teachers are just nice people. That's all there is to it. I really enjoy my students, and so uh, I've enjoyed being a, a professor. However, I am retiring this coming summer, and I am looking forward to that. I'm going to spend my time writing full time.
1: Can't wait. Well... I'm sure the classroom will miss you, but we'll enjoy having more of your work. Would you like to shout out to the students that are, I guess, assuming they're on break right now, but you want to say hello they, to they, them?
2: They are on break, and uh, they might be sleeping. I don't know. <laughs> but sure. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, I hope you're having a wonderful break, and I look forward to seeing you again. Second week of January, we'll be back at it. So there we go.
1: Excellent. And I'll tell you, we we need quality people in the classroom. We certainly do. So. We're glad you've got a teacher like Dr. Hughes working with you. That, you know, that is quite a responsibility, and, and it's quite time-consuming. Um, how has teaching affected your ability to write?
2: Well, it's, it's interesting. It is very time-consuming. When when the semester is on, it it's really full guns. But I learn so much from my students. I hope they learn something from me as well, but I learn so much from them. And I, I see so many different kinds of people. We are an extremely diverse college. And so we have people from all over the world. My students are all ages. And the stories they tell, I'm lucky enough to teach some classes where I hear their, their family histories and their ancestry. And so I get a lot of good information. And if nothing else, I get fabulous names for my characters. Uh, because they come from everywhere with these names that are just terrific, so uh, it's an
1: advantage. I love it. That's an excellent point. Naming the characters is is one of the harder things that that we do. Uh, talking a little inside baseball here, I've heard of some people that actually go through the obituaries and and you know cross check <laughs> names and, and things like that. But
2: <laughs> I've not done that yet. It's a good idea. I, I'll give but, it a shot. You know.
1: The name that you give a character really spells it out, and and it's an important decision. So, that that's it is, and in
2: fact, in in becoming Jesse Bell Dragon, uh, who call, he's from Eastern Europe, and and that's a name was the name of one of my students. Now, of course, I don't put the name onto a character that's exactly like the student. I wouldn't want the student to ever be offended, but I did pick up the name from somebody at school.
1: So that was wonderful. That's cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about the book. The, the novel is about finding oneself, and there's a good deal of historical fact and world travel, and there's even a touch of mysticism involved here now. What genre What genre would you say that becoming Jesse Bell best fits in?
2: What a, what a good question, because I don't know. In fact, every time I've talked to an editor or publisher or, or reviewer or anybody about the book, we can't quite decide. It has sometimes been called fantasy, because there are some mystical elements to it. It's been called historical fiction. It's been called women's fiction. It's not actually, it has romantic elements to it. Certainly, there's a romance that she falls in love along the way. Uh, wouldn't be any fun if she didn't have some romance along the way. Oh, but, of course. Uh, but it's not a traditional romance novel that follows a romance formula. So it really is a little bit of everything. It usually ends up being called women's fiction. And uh, I have uh, men readers, too, though. I've had some reviews from men, and I really enjoy that. Uh, But it is a book that women seem to enjoy a lot. So I appreciate the readers who go out there and find this book. And the historical part uh, is uh, something that I love. I love doing the research. I I think any writer who writes... And, and includes the historical aspects of the story that probably enjoys the research, or we wouldn't be doing it. And I learned so much. I, I just can't even believe all the, the little things that I ran into that I had to research. And I contacted professors sometimes at other universities who were experts in areas, and, and it was fascinating to write.
1: Well, now, your research and and the travel that would have been involved, did you actually do any travel, or was it primarily Internet and telephone calls?
2: I I actually had a job for 20 years prior to becoming a professor. And I, I actually didn't go back to school for my doctorate until I was 50 years old. I woke up the morning of my 50th birthday and said, okay, I can't travel for work all the time anymore. And, and so I switched careers. But prior to that, for 20 years, I had a job where I did training programs, and the training programs were for companies and government agencies like the, the U.S. Department of State, and I worked with the military. And I worked with a company called CareerTrack, and they sent me all over the place. And I would do programs like stress management and leadership training programs, and it was, it was fascinating. And so most of the travel that I included in the book were places that I had been to. There was only one place, Norway, the fjords. That's on my to-do list. I've got to get there someday. But I did research that one on the Internet and with a call to someone who who worked in that area. But but the other places I'd, I'd been to, the story about Africa, the story about climbing the Great Pyramid, I actually did that. I was young and naive and didn't know it wasn't a good idea to be wandering around out there by myself in the middle of the night. I did that. Climbed the Great Pyramid in Egypt. Uh, Travelled through the Middle East. Uh, there's a story about a woman in in Italy. I've been all through Italy, uh, Austria. I've, I've been through Austria. I, I just it, it, it was a great career. It took me everywhere. Uh, but I I did get get worn out after a while, and so oh. I was able to come back and. And uh, do something else. But I was able to include all of that in this story because when she travels following the trail of her DNA, which is what her boss made her do, then um, it took her to all these
1: places. Well, let's, let's get this break out of the way, and we'll come back, and we'll go into more detail about the story itself. We're here this morning on the prologue with Dr. Linda Hughes, her book is Becoming Jessie Bell, and you're going to find her on Amazon as Linda Hughes. She she has the title, but she prefers to just go by Linda. So we're going to be back with more from her after these short messages.
3: On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world.
0: And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected.
4: You're listening to americaswebradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Jesse Bell, and we were talking before the break a little bit about her experience as a trainer, and you kind of, I don't want to use the term glossed over it, but you were actually training people uh, in anti-terrorism, isn't that correct?
2: I was, and, and uh, I was probably the least likely person alive to ever do that, but I fell into it. I was the psychology arm, how to handle the stress of being in difficult situations, and, and I was that facet of a much larger training program, worked with Fabulous people, most of them uh, were military or former military, and I certainly learned more from them than they ever, ever learned from me. In fact, were you in the military, Doug?
1: I was, yes. Well, Seems like you, another lifetime pre- ago.
2: But. Yeah, you, you'll appreciate this. Uh, I, I was working with a, a general one time, we were putting this program together, and I remember I was so scared, and I thought, oh my gosh, how'd I ever get into this? And I remember looking at him, and and he was giving us our assignments and what we were going to do. And and I was a civilian contractor. I wasn't in the military. And and, and I looked at him, and I said, I can't do that. And he looked back at me, and he said, I didn't ask if you could. I said, you will. And I went, whoa, okay. And, And that's the way it is when you work with the military. And it really pushed the envelope for me it took me out of my comfort zone it taught me i could do so many things i never knew i could do and it was the best thing in the world that ever happened to me so that's kind of what happens to Jessie bell in this story she doesn't want to go on this trip her boss makes her do it and she learns that she can handle it
1: oh i know well tell us a little bit more about uh, jesse bell church
2: Jessie Bell is a rich girl. In fact, readers probably don't like her very much in the very beginning because she's spoiled. But she does work hard at her job as a a newscaster. And so she's committed to that. Now, she does like the attention. She likes being on TV. She likes being pretty and all that stuff. And so... So at first you get it that she's been raised to be a rather shallow person, but you still get a feeling that there's something deeper in there. She's never quite satisfied. She's got this rich boyfriend, and she knows he's going to propose to her. But, but you get a, a sense that there's more to this girl. When she's sent out to follow the trail of her DNA, she's so angry at her boss and... As, as with most of us, our DNA trails start in East Africa. And I actually had my DNA done for this. I had it done with the National Geographic Project, with National Geographic. It was so cool. They, they sent me maps and all kinds of information about where my ancestors came from. So I used that and my own travels as the background for what she did.
1: And so Now, she, the DNA, checking mm-hmm. DNA, how long did that take? To get it back? Well, yeah, uh, to do all this research through your DNA stream.
2: Oh, it! it I, I bet I spent two years writing this book. I normally spend a, a year on a book. I spent a couple years on this one. Uh, but uh, I did have to do a lot of research. But so much of it was provided by the Genographic Project, by National Geographic. And so I used what they sent to me. It was fascinating Everybody I've ever known who's had their DNA tested is surprised at something. They think they know their ancestry, and they find out something they never knew. Like, I was absolutely certain I was Celtic. I know my family's Irish. I'm a McVeigh and an O'Sullivan. So I knew I was as Irish as could be, and I must be Celtic. I could feel it in my bones. And, and so I'd always study that. And, and when I go to Ireland, I'd always look at that. Well, I found out from my DNA... <laughs> that I'm actually Viking, not Celtic. And so my ancestors, instead of going straight across Europe into the British Isles, went up to Scandinavian country and came down to the British Isles. And I was so surprised by that. I'm, uh, my ancestors were the pillagers and the raiders and the killers, not the, the ones I would thought.
1: And so, i got a TV I mean, show for you to watch.
2: <laughs> I know. I love it, too, by the way. Isn't that good? And so... And my brother, when I told him about our, our heritage, he wouldn't have a big Viking tattoo put on. But but anyway, I think everybody finds something that they're surprised at, and certainly Jesse Bell did too. And so she starts out, she doesn't want to do it, she's slapping around, there's this cameraman that she thinks is an animal, this dray, and this producer, and she can't wait to get back to her rich boyfriend in Atlanta. But along the way, every night, no matter where they are, she gets a visit in the night from an, uh, a spirit ancestor. And she, she starts learning about the lives, the most tragic things that happened to these women, and the most triumphant things that happened to them. And she starts to realize that there were a lot of people who went through a lot to make her what she is today. These were the people who made her. And she needed to appreciate that. And she learned to love their stories, to appreciate their stories and it it really brought her out of her arrogant shell and made her become a much richer deeper person than she had been before
1: and now you so have it, a te- you have a tendency to kind of just slide over some fact we're going to dig deeper into these things okay because it's very important to it but let's back up a hair uh okay writers writers always include parts of themselves into their right. stories and sometimes it's factual sometimes it's just alter ego but jesse's background is actually considerably different from yours isn't
2: it oh sure the way she was raised yeah she was raised oh yeah uh, by a wealthy family just outside of atlanta one of the prominent families uh, been in the atlanta area forever had a plantation at one time and there are families like that still around here and there's some plantations actually still around and oh, so, yeah. not working plantations, but but uh, they're still there. And so, uh, yeah, that's nothing like the little town in Michigan that I was raised
1: in. Oh, West Branch, Michigan, yeah. Kindergarten yay, yeah, 12th.
2: yay West Branch.
1: Now, interesting <laughs> fact that you shared with me, 50 cousins in the school? I mean, did your family operate that town? <laughs> no, I, I do
2: have 50, <laughs> 50 first Cousins and and about half of them lived in my same small hometown. I always had cousins in my same grade with me, and uh, they were everywhere. I'm telling you, you could never get away with anything because your siblings and your cousins <laughs> were always in the same school. And if you got caught doing anything, uh, they immediately made sure their mom and dad knew, so that my mom and dad knew, and, and none of us could get away with anything. And actually, it was a, a great way to to grow up. I, I still oh, know. it is. My it is. Town. People don't I've realize still, that. Oh, yeah. And I still have friends from back then. And last summer was my 50th high school reunion. And I went back, and, and oh, my goodness, we had the best time. And just it it felt like we, in some ways, had never been apart. So there's some bonds there that stick forever.
1: Oh, absolutely. Now, the differences are there from Jesse's upbringing and yours. But you you do have one very major thing in common. You were also an on-air personality in Nashville, Tennessee, weren't you?
2: I was. That was a long time ago. In fact, if you want to see something really funny, go to YouTube and look up Linda Hughes' hairdos from the 1980s. And I was was on a – oh, it's hilarious – I was on a television show called American Magazine, uh, which uh, didn't last too long. Uh, Really great show, though. I loved it. It was kind of like the talk shows you see today. It was a precursor to those where uh, some fabulous hosts and some different topics and different guests, and I did regular segments on women's issues. Loved it. Loved doing it. Um, But the way they did my hair now, of course, today is just
1: hilarious. (laughs) But.
2: But well, now, back then, that was that the way air. we did it. But, yeah, I, I enjoyed that a lot.
1: I bet. How long were you on the air there?
2: I was on that show for a couple of years. But what they would do was they aired for a couple of years. But they would actually uh, uh, tape them, and, and I'd go and do a whole bunch of shows all at once. So I was at that time traveling for my job, so I would schedule to be in Nashville to tape a whole bunch of shows, and they'd show for a few months, and I'd go back and do it again. So I didn't live in Nashville at the time.
1: Okay. Now were there? Uh, this is I don't expect names out of this one, but were there individuals that you met while doing that show that maybe inspired Jesse's character? No, not.
2: Well, that's a good question. I think it may have stuck in the, there was one, I won't name her name, but there was one This sticks in the back of my mind. There was one I really liked, and there was another one. <laughs> and so uh, that, and then sometimes I'll admit, I'm going to be honest, watching personalities on television, and uh, some of them are, are on, on talk shows and news shows, and some are fabulous and uh, so well-spoken and and seemed so qualified for the job. And then there are others. And uh, I fashioned Jessie Bell at first uh, as one of the others who looked like she was uh, more uh, just there because she was attractive. Although she was working hard, she works hard to be good at what she does. She just isn't quite there yet. And I understand. And so uh, I fashioned her after that.
1: Well, listen, something we need to do uh mm-hmm. Becoming Jesse Bell is the book. Your name is Linda Hughes. How can people find out more about you and all of your books, including Becoming Jesse Bell?
2: My website is really easy. It's www.lindahughes.com. It's that easy. And Hughes is H-U-G-H-E-S. So www.lindahughes.com. And then, of course, I'm on Amazon. All my books are on Amazon, and I have an Amazon page as well.
1: Are they in both formats, uh, paperback and Kindle, or
2: they are? Yeah, okay, very good. Uh, Paperback, Kindle. Uh, My publisher in uh, my most recent publisher is in Athens, Georgia, Deeds Publishing, and they just do a bang up job with books. They do a really good job, so very good.
1: How long have you been? How long have you been with them?
2: I've been with Deeds for three and a half years, I believe. Okay. And uh, they've done three books of mine, one, two, three, four books of mine, and uh, hopefully another one coming up.
1: Outstanding. I've met quite a number of authors that are associated with deeds and uh, hear nothing but good things, so that's that's always good. Oh, yeah. And uh, when you were on your show, you said you spoke mainly of women's issues. Was that what it was about?
2: Yes, that is what it was about. And then... Fox News National hired me to talk about women's issues uh, for them, and I would would tape those here in Atlanta, and they they would air out of New York, of course. But um, uh, Roger Ailes, which was interesting, he, he liked my segments, but I had a little disagreement with them and uh, quit.
1: Oh, I don't know if I don't know if we, we want to go too deep into. No,
2: <laughs> no, nah, nah, you didn't want to go there. <laughs>
1: so, okay, right. anyway. Well, we've got other places we do want to go, but we're going to have to do it after this break. We're here this morning on the prologue with Linda Hughes, and we've been talking about her career and what led up to writing Becoming Jessie Bell. We're going to be back with more after these messages.
4: Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com.
5: 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport.
0: This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. On Medicine on Call, we talk about more than medicine. It's about how to take control of your mind, body, and spirit.
3: When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear, in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com.
4: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: And welcome back. We're here this morning. We're having a big time talking with Linda Hughes. We're talking about her upbringing, her history, her work career, all the things that entered into her becoming a writer and, of course, bringing us the novel Becoming Jesse Bell. Now, Linda had been in the TV business for a couple of years in Nashville, and you were around quite a number of personalities back then. Uh, Do you see, of course, it's different when you're working with people, I know, and it's simply watching them on television. But do you notice any major differences of the folks that are on the air today as opposed to when you were on the air?
2: Well, I'm, I'm concerned today that, that there are some, and, and I emphasize some because there's, there are also some people out there who are really terrific at what they do, and they make sure that what they're, they're saying, that the news that they give is accurate and uh, they give different points of view, and I really appreciate that. But there are others where they seem to have an agenda. Uh, it seems to be all just for show, and whether it's accurate or not. And so one of the things I, I really push my students to do is they'll come in and they'll say, oh, I heard such and so on the news. Well, let's look into that. Let's do some research. Let's do some digging. And sometimes it's not even that it's inaccurate. It's just not the whole story. And I think we all need to be aware of that. We need to, to say, okay, that sounds interesting, don't know for sure. If that's everything I need to know, I need to go figure it out for myself and do some digging.
1: Absolutely. Um, don't want to dwell on this, but you think maybe the cable and the 24-hour news cycle have maybe put a lot of pressure on them to come up with things. Maybe that's played a role in this.
2: Oh sure, I- I'm I'm sure it has, and especially when you see the same things over and over and over, <laughs> you know. Oh yes. Filling, oh yes, they're filling time. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, now, the assignment that your character Jesse Jesse Bell Church she is sent on a on a track that is involving her DNA, and you've already told us that uh, the DNA trail that you use is, in fact, your own. So that's interesting to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the National Geographic Genographic Project, say that three times fast. Yep, yep. Um, this, this is where you and Jesse really cross paths again, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. And I was so excited when I got that back. and And even though I knew some of it, I certainly didn't know all of it. And they give you so much good information. And so I just had Jessie Bell go with the very same haplo group. That's what they call them—the group that you come from, and it has a number. And so I just had her go with my haplo group, and and uh, that was the the journey that she took. And I had her do some of the very same things I've done in my own travels, like climb the Great Pyramid and think about her life. And and uh, I actually did that uh, when I was. Uh, widowed when I was 28 years old, and my my life obviously had changed, and uh, all, all of the pictures that I had in my head, and anybody who's gone through this kind of thing would probably say the same thing, is that you have a picture in your head of how you think your life is going to be, and then the person is gone, and, and the vision that you had for your life is gone as well. And so when that happened to me, and I took this trip to to Egypt and to the Middle East and to Turkey and to Greece that my husband and I had planned on taking together before he died and um, climbed the Great Pyramid and sat up there. And, and it was it really was spiritual. It was so uplifting in some ways, but it, looking back on it, it was kind of funny in other ways because back then, you can't tell on pictures very well, but the pyramids are eaten away like stair steps, and you can just climb up there. Well, mm-hmm. I was up there on this spiritual quest and there were also teenagers up there making out and smoking cigarettes, so <laughs> oh. so I, I had to climb away and find my own little spot, but even though Jessie Bell was up there for a totally different reason, I had her going through the same thing that I went through in thinking about her whole life while well, she was up there on this pyramid, so... Um I, I really did draw off my own experience, my own DNA trail, my own experience in what I had her do.
1: That's fascinating. Uh, family trees, there's a lot of folks. There's advertisements you see on cable television for, for these things. But, mm-hmm. you know, family trees, ancestors, that's a very popular thing for folks to be digging into today. And like you said, uh, there's one ad that comes to mind where somebody thought they were of one heritage and find out that something quite different than that. Uh, the, the very little that I know about it is that the searches can really grow exponentially as you move back in time. Now, did, did your search zero in on a particular bloodline, like maybe your mother's family? or what? Did, did, did it just go a broad search, or did it zero in on a particular lineage?
2: Yeah, at, at that time, the National Geographic Project was uh, looking at your matriarchal line, your mother's side of the of your family, and so I've gone back and just recently done one that does both, and they do both now, and so uh, I'm going to learn more, I'm sure. Uh, so that's why I had Jessie Bell; uh, it was her mother's side of the family, and so the women, the the ancestor spirits that come to visit her in the night in each place that she visits are from her mother's line and so it comes through her mother who is a spoiled socialite in Atlanta comes through her mother to her and ah. each each yeah so each of these women that visit her in the night it's kind of like uh, a Christmas carol where he <laughs> these ghosts come and visit him in the night and it's something like that but but these women come and and it's as if she's living, not, she's not talking to them. It's like she's living their lives. And and so she experiences, she feels what they went through. And the first one is quite lovely, a, a woman in East Africa having babies, and she that makes her happy. And then the next one in the Middle East is very sad. And then one in Northern Italy, again, is a, a very joyous, happy one. And so I, I intermixed it like that so she could see... Uh, all of the things that, and and of course, when we stop and think about it, we have thousands and thousands of ancestors. So anybody like Jessie Bell who thinks that she's hoity-toity and that she's better than everybody else is uh, sadly mistaken because we all probably have in our families, like she did, have uh, uh, people who went to prison, people who were prostitutes, Uh, as well as as some some really upstanding people. And so I think we all need to consider that and think about that. Whenever we're biased against someone, we don't like someone, uh, we have to take that into
1: consideration. It's an old saying about walking a mile in somebody's shoes. Absolutely. That comes to mind when you say that. Now, you mentioned some of the spirits that came to her. Tell us a little more about Star. She seemed to be kind of predominant through the story.
2: I love Star, and do you know the actress Diane Weist. Oh yeah, uh, I don't know, if you know uh, I've always yeah, pictured her cool. as Star. Uh, yeah, she's so offbeat. I just she she needs to be Star, uh, but Star is the angel that guides all of this. And Star likes to come come back, and as long as she's going to be visible, she likes to wear costumes. And so she likes to wear. She's real fun. She, she's she is just hilarious. And so she likes to wear costumes for wherever they are. And then she introduces Jessie Bell to these uh, spirits who who come to visit her. And uh, so I brought I brought some fun into it as
1: well. <laughs> okay, now in this story, she meets all of these ancestors in all these different locations. And some are exotic, and maybe some are not so much. Is there one particular ancestor that was your favorite?
2: Well, I like them all, of course. Um, and, uh, but there's one. Her name is Haleakala. And she was fathered It's the 1600s in a Polynesian island in the Pacific. And she was fathered by a missionary who would come on a ship, you know, like Captain Cook used to sail around the world. And so she is elder, she's rotund, she's a little bit chubby, She's got, doesn't have any front teeth, she's got frizzy gray hair. I just loved this character as I wrote her. I could just feel her, I could sense her. And, and in our culture today, she would be considered to be an old hag. But in her culture, because she had lived a long life and because she was healthy and because she'd had lovers... She was fabulous. She was like the most beautiful woman there because she had had such a good life. And I just loved the juxtapositioning of of her life with our culture today and thinking she did have a good life. She was
1: beautiful, uh, no matter what we say today.
2: Yeah, I loved her.
1: Not every character that we find in our past is going to be all sweetness and light. There had to be some that were tragic figures. Um, right. what, what did you find in, in your search and that you put in your book that were tragic?
2: One, one there were a couple, but one was uh, Giselle, whose ancestor was Irish and came over to New Orleans. And Giselle uh, was, was actually a descendant of this Irish woman and a slave. And I did research into this and found that this sometimes happened, that plantation owners' wives or the people who worked on the plantations were so isolated and that there there are uh, actually people in the South who have heritage that is Irish and African. And it was that combination. And so Giselle ends up uh, in a very sad situation on the plantation uh, she becomes pregnant. She uh, uh, runs away uh, off the plantation into New Orleans. Becomes, she ends up a prostitute in a high-class bordello. And and Giselle is a very sad character. She practices voodoo and has her child, has her little baby, which she tries to hide out from the men who, who come to her. Um, but she has a, a tragic, tragic life and in the end goes insane. And the little girl is taken by a friend and brought over to Georgia and is the ancestor of Jesse Bill's mother, who's the big socialite, who thinks that her family was always so uh, well-off and, and so elite, having no idea that her ancestor was a prostitute who went insane and lived the end of her days in prison and was hung and I, I did research on this as well, and learned that they would hang people. And when the hanging didn't work, if the person was still alive, they would shoot them. They always had someone there uh, to shoot them, so they would die more quickly. Wow. And that's that. Yeah, that's what happened to, to Giselle. But that really
1: happened to people. Well, and, now that's a question that comes to mind. These spirits that you describe—they uh, were then based on people that actually you discovered uh, from your past. Is that right?
2: Well, some were, and then some were. Were uh, I made them up, uh, th- okay. looking at looking at history, knowing there were people like that in history in that place at that time. I don't know that they were m- my ancestors, but I made them Jesse Bell's ancestors. And, excellent, uh, excellent. Yeah, it was fascinating. In, right. in fact, for Giselle, for the for the plantation. I had to look into the language that the slaves would have spoken and learned a lot about that from a professor at Tulane University who helped me out with that. And So the, the research, again, was, was just fascinating.
1: And the book is Becoming Jessie Bell. The author, Linda Hughes, is with us. And we're going to be back with more from her after these messages.
4: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: And welcome back. We're here this morning with Linda Hughes. It's Dr. Linda Hughes. If you're looking up her books, it's going to drop the doctor. Just LindaHughes.com, and that last name is spelled H-U-G-H-E-S. So we want you to get on the Internet and look for all of her books. We've been talking today about Becoming Jessie Bell. And the book has a lot of mysticism in there, the spirits. And as we went to the last break, we were talking about how these, uh, some of these were fictional, of course, made up and, and brought in. But some of them were actually based on characters that you found in your past. Is that right?
2: That's correct. And, uh, for example, there's an Irish character, an Irish woman, Kathleen, that uh, is very much like one of my ancestors that I found in Ireland, and I, went, I actually went to Ireland. Get this, this was so cool, I couldn't believe it. I went to Galway, where I knew my ancestors were from. I take a letter from my college to get special access into the archives of the library of Galway. And I'm so excited. I get down there and I start looking around, and all of a sudden I realized I'm so American. I start looking <laughs> around. I'm in the archives in Ireland. Everything's in Gaelic. I can't read it. <laughs> and so they, they didn't speak English back then in the old days. And so I had to hire someone. I went up and they said, well, you're a professor. We thought you'd know. And I didn't. <laughs> so, and so I had to hire someone. And we found documents uh, about some of the people that would have been my ancestors. It was just it was enthralling. And to actually have my hands on the, this stuff was was amazing. So... I found uh, a couple of characters uh, that I based one of the stories uh, of Jesse Bell on them. And, of course, I embellished it. When you're a writer, you know, Doug, you're a writer. You embellish, and I embellished the stories. But they were based upon the documents that I found in the Galway Library and the archives. So um, that
1: was fun. Now, there is some romance to this story. It's not your standard romance novel, but you do have romance in there. Uh, of course. In Jessie's case, we've got Robert, who is uh, her fiancé, who shares initially her shallowness. And, uh, and then we have the hulky cameraman, Dre. Now, she's engaged to one, and she goes globe-hopping with the other, so that that's a recipe for trouble, isn't it?
2: Yeah, she gets herself into a lot of trouble. And, and, uh, and I, I don't want to give away the whole story, but Dre is cool. At first she thinks he's, he's an animal, he, and he's a lowly, lowly cameraman. She, she's got a rich boyfriend back, back home, uh, but she finds out that Dre is just really a great guy. And, and oh, she starts is- looking, looking below the surface.
1: Well, we want to make sure we don't give away the story, but Jessie sounds like a, a very interesting character. Is she able to redeem herself by the end of the book?
2: Oh, of course. She redeems herself, <laughs> and, and she becomes the true Jessie Bell.
1: Oh, there, that's good. That's very good. Now, what would you like the takeaway from, from this book? What would you like the readers to be left with when they close it and set it aside?
2: I hope, and and this is what readers have been telling me they get from the book, and my hope all along has been that they would consider how many people went through so much to give them the lives that they have today. And I know that not everybody has a good life today. Uh, we do have so much more in this country than they have in many parts of the world, but people still have hard times. But I want them to know that that we do have so much. We have each other. We have support. We have resources. We have this lineage of people who persevered and they were resilient and they didn't give up. And that's the legacy we want to take away from them. We want to know, okay, if they could do it and they didn't have half of what we have here today, if they could do it, we can do it too. We can work through the hard times, We can build good lives for ourselves, and we can enjoy this gift of a life that we've been given. And that's what I want readers to take away from Jesse Bell. I want them to appreciate, even though they may never have spirit ancestors visit them in the night, I want them to appreciate that people like the ones that Jesse Bell came to know, there were people like that in their lives as well. And those people... Uh, the spirit of those ancestors lives in our DNA. They live in in our bones. They live in our blood. They're with us. They're part of us every day of our lives.
1: Oh, absolutely. Do we plan to revisit Jesse Bell in another book?
2: I've thought about that because she goes on to to consider a new kind of work. And so... Um, When I get the other nine stories out of my head and onto paper that are roaming around in there right now, (laughs) I would love to come back to Jesse Bell someday.
1: Well, I know you are working on another new book. Uh, Tell us real quick, real briefly, what it's about.
2: Uh, The one I'm working on right now is a, a woman who... Wakes up on an island, remote island. There's no one there except some chimpanzees, and she has amnesia and she has no idea who she is or how she got there. And she discovers one house on the island. It's called the House on Haven Island, and it's a it's actually a murder mystery. So, it'll be out soon.
1: Can you give us a date or approximation?
2: Well, I'm supposed to have it done in two weeks. We'll see.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. All right. First of the year, then. We'll look for that. The House I know. on Aislinn Island.
2: Right. And then I also just finished this year a memoir with Myra Lewis Williams. It's called The Spark That Survived. And, and if we have any listeners who are our age... And, and Doug, I'm assuming you're my age. I, I don't want to insult you. A little,
1: either. little beyond you, I think. Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. But anyway. I'm usually, yeah, uh, I'm usually the oldest one. It seems like. But um, Myra was the child bride of Jerry Lee Lewis. She married rock and roll star Jerry Lee Lewis when she was 13 years old. He's her second cousin, and she wrote her memoir this year, and I helped her write that, and that was just. So, I I mean, every time she would tell me a story, I'd say, really? And she'd tell me another one, and I'd say, really? And so uh, she wrote, in in the 1980s, she wrote a book called Great Balls of Fire, which was made into a movie that you might remember. Uh, But it really wasn't her story. The publisher and producer changed it so much, she didn't even recognize her own story. So this one's called The Spark That Survived.
1: And, you know, uh, folks out there, we uh, have been able to get uh, Myra Lewis-Williams scheduled on the prologue in just a few weeks, and I want to thank Dr. Hughes very much for helping to arrange that. Uh, in fact, you were very prominent in getting that done, so thank you for that.
2: My pleasure. You're going to enjoy that. The story she tells, you're going to be saying, really?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, that great <laughs> balls of fire wasn't wasn't enough. That's, that's really great. You also have... Uh, A business that you're bringing together now, uh, Memoir Magic, and you've got a partner, Catherine Gray White. You've released a book uh, about that as well, haven't you?
2: Right. The book is called Memoir Magic. We believe it's so important for people to write their memoirs, even if they never want anybody else to read it. They never want it to be published. It's so important for us to capture our own thoughts, our own stories, and to see how we evolve throughout our lives. And then, Folks course, used
1: to have those family Bibles, didn't they?
2: It, yes, exactly. And and then if they do want to leave it as a legacy for those to come, uh, that's great. Maybe their own children won't care, but there'll be somebody down the line who's going to see their picture someday and say, who was that person? And they'll love that writing. So we encourage Absolutely. everybody to write their memoir.
1: Absolutely. Sometimes I just don't know where the time gets away. Uh Linda, can you think of anything that we've left out that really needs to be discussed this morning?
2: You're great, Doug. No, you, you asked good ah. questions. You made me think. <laughs> I had to think today. And well, you're I not appreciate supposed to think. That. We're it supposed to have fun. fun. Well, oh, it was good. fun, too. Uh, they can just go to my website, www.lindahughes.com, H-U-G-H-E-S.
1: Wonderful. Listen, I want to thank you again for being here, Uh, and before we go, we want to not forget to recognize a couple of sets of listeners we've got out there. We've got the military folks who are out there protecting us daily, doing the job that they do so well. We uh, thank them, and we pray Godspeed and safe return for each and every one of our military personnel. We also want to thank the first responders, the people at home, police, fire, and rescue personnel. They protect us as well, and we sometimes overlook them. I want to thank each and every one of those. (coughs) Excuse me. had a little cough come up. Listeners, uh, please tell all your friends about the show. Tell them how they can go to americaswebradio.com. Look us up, the Prologue with Doug Dahlgren, and they can listen to all of our past programs in podcast form at their pleasure, absolutely free of charge. So, (coughs) looks like it's about time here with the cough coming on that's it for this hour again my thanks to dr linda hughes again she's just good old good old linda hughes on the on the amazon page and on her website and her book becoming jesse bell you will enjoy it it really is a a wonderful story about finding yourself and uh, good guys bad guys all the stuff romance everything all balled into one history for you guys out there don't shy away from it because it's got a little romance involved so Look for Becoming Jesse Jessie Bell. You'll enjoy it. Now, for myself, I am Doug Dahlgren. For me and for my guest, Linda Hughes, I want to say be good to yourselves and each other. Read a book. If it's not Linda's, maybe you'll select one of mine. And I'll see you folks again in 167 hours. Take care. Bye-bye.
4: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio.